Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Hoopball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the play-in tournament Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm recording this on Tuesday, April 12th. You already know what type of energy I'm on. Play-in is tomorrow. The Hawks are in. We knew they were going to be in for a while now, but it's official. They're the ninth seed. They will play tomorrow night versus the Charlotte Hornets, our dreaded divisional rival who we struggled against, but we're going to talk a little bit about why I am optimistic, even though we are on ESPN tomorrow. You know how I feel about the Hawks on ESPN. Just, yeah, just not good. But we're going to preview that matchup, talk a little bit about foreshadowing as far as how I perceive the Hawks to potentially go through the play-in. Spoiler alert, I think they're going to be the eighth seed. I think we're going to take on the Miami Heat, who we just played. So we're going to talk a little bit about the play-in tournament regarding the Hawks and how they're going to get to the eighth seed and get down to Miami to get another shot at them after losing to them on Friday. As I said before, play-in Hawks are in effect. And after last week where the Hawks went 2-2, two and two, they beat the Wizards and they beat the Rockets on Sunday in the season finale. They did lose to the Raptors by 10 and they lost to the Heat in Miami by 4 on Friday night. Obviously, I got to talk to you guys about the Raptors-Wizards game. Didn't I talk to you about the Heat-Rockets game? I was on a little vacation in Dallas, Texas. Got to kick back, relax, but certainly I was... <laughs> All eyes on that Miami game on Friday night, which did come to the wire. It came down to a few mistakes, and we talked about it last episode. The Hawks, this was going to be a precursor because, I, like I said, I think the Hawks are going to be the eight seed. We're going to have to take on Miami, who is the one seed. So this game was a game to just play as hard as you can, execute at a high level, and then try to find things to improve on for a potential seven-game series against this Miami Heat team. And a Bam Adebayo dunk with 27 seconds left helped you know Miami come back and beat the Hawks on Friday night. I mean, it was technically a meaningless game for the Miami Heat, but I think they kind of foresee, hey, 
this is probably who we're going to play in the first round. We're probably going to play Miami in the first. I mean, we're probably going to play the Hawks in the first round if you're Miami speaking. So why not roll out your players who are healthy, ready to go, keep them in rhythm because this is going to be one of the last games for about a week or so until they take the court again. And on Friday night, they had Jimmy Butler playing. They had Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry playing, Tyler Hero off the bench, uh, Duncan Robinson. So they had their main guys play for them. And, you know, Butler had a decent game, 20 points, four rebounds. You already know what he can do on the defensive end. He did have a steal, no blocks in 37 minutes. Bam Adebayo with 24 points. As I mentioned, he hit the go-ahead basket with 27 seconds left. He had four assists, six rebounds. Lowry had 16 points. Tyler Hero with 15 off the bench. Good team. That's a very good team in Miami. They shot almost 56% from the floor, 42% from three, whereas the Hawks shot almost 48% from the floor and almost 24% from three. So three-point shooting, obviously the comeback for Miami definitely was the reason why the Hawks lost. I mean, second quarter, they scored 39 points. To the, to the Heat's 32, then they get outscored in the third quarter, 35-26, to 26, and then even scoring in the fourth quarter for both teams led Miami to win that ball game on Friday night down in the 305. The Hawks did out-rebound the Heat, which was great, and they definitely did a really good job on the glass offensively, uh, out-rebounding them 13-4. to four. Only 17 team assists, something that I would like to improve, 15 turnovers, which is higher than what they're used to season average-wise. They did get outscored in the paint by six, and they got outscored in the fast break by three, but it's going to have to come down to, you know, just continued ball movement and three-point shooting is the big things that I can look at without obviously watching the game um, and just look at the numbers and kind of call it for what it is. Trey Young did have a good game, 35 points, eight assists. He was three of 11 from three, 12 of 23 from the floor. Capella with a double-double, 17 points, 14 rebounds. Gallo struggled, and along with Hunter, they both combined for only nine points. They both combined for four for 16 from the floor shooting. They combined for three rebounds and eight fouls between the two. So definitely got to get more production out of Gallo and DeAndre Hunter. Kevin Herter had a good game, 15 points, three assists, seven rebounds for him. Okongu was six points, seven rebounds off the bench. Bogey with 25 off the bench. DeLon Wright with two and no points for TLC coming off the bench for the Hawks. And if you're going to play Miami, you're going to have to shoot the three ball well against Miami. That's the way that you're going to beat the Heat. No pun intended. Because Miami, they shoot very well from the three-point line. They have proven that time and time again playing against the Hawks this year. That if you let them get hot for high three-point line, you're going to lose that game. You're going to lose that game. Uh, the Hawks shot well from the free-throw line, but they did have eight fewer free-throw attempts than the Miami Heat, which is something to watch in the playoffs. How are they going to officiate? Are they going to let teams play, or are they going to be a little tighter, depending on who is playing and whatnot, if there's bad blood, this being a potential divisional uh, first-round matchup against the Miami Heat, they may call it a little closer to the vest, which I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. But all in all, 
as I said in the last episode, this Miami Heat game was a chance to just hey, play your heart out, put it all on the table, and then use that as film along with the other collection of the three other matchups against Miami to see what can they do better, what things can work, and trying to figure out who they need to get involved to make it an impact. And certainly, I think we got to think about our forwards. We got to think about Gallo. We got to think about Okongwu, DeAndre Hunter. Those three players certainly have to be on go mode in a first-round series with the Miami Heat in order for us to win. If you can get great production out of two out of three of those players each game, I think it gives the Hawks a better chance at winning. But before we get ahead of ourselves, I mean, I'm kind of foreshadowing. I feel confident, but there's some cause for concern with Charlotte coming into Atlanta tomorrow night. Again, tomorrow night, 7 p.m., probably a little bit after 7 p.m., tip-off Eastern time on ESPN. The Hawks are currently a four-and-a-half-point favorite over their divisional rival, the Charlotte Hornets, who we have struggled against losing 11 of the last 15 games to Charlotte. And right now, the Charlotte Hornets are on a three-game winning streak to end the regular season and in those three games for Charlotte they beat the Wizards who eh, beat a Bulls team that's been struggling and they beat the Magic pretty handily who everyone has been beating the Magic pretty handily and then the the last loss the last two losses they given up 144 points each of those games against the 76ers in the heat so defensively we know that the Hornets are not the strongest team defensively. We know that they want to push the pace. They have LaMelo Ball. They have Miles Bridges. And then you have Scary Terry. So you know what this team wants to do. I mean, if we're looking at the stats right now, uh, Miles Bridges is the leading scorer on the team, averaging 20 a game. And for some reason, when he plays the Hawks, he loses his damn mind and just plays out of this world. I mean, he's probably averaging, off the top of my head, I'd say he's probably averaging 26 25 26 a game when he plays the Atlanta Hawks this year. LaMelo Ball obviously averaging 20 a game as well with almost eight assists, almost two steals a game, averaging three turnovers a game. Scary Terry off the bench, 19 points per game. And then Hayward is out, averaging 15, almost 16 a game. Ubre averaging 15 a game. They have added Montrez Harrell with 11 a game. P.J. Washington with 10 a game. So it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Like I said, the Hornets are clicking as of late. We know that they're not a strong defensive team. So really, this game is going to come to can the Hawks play better on ESPN? We know how the Hawks are on TNT, and we know how they are on ESPN ABC. They have won only one of their ESPN ABC games the entire season. So can we get that monkey off our back? Can we do better on ESPN? An advantage, we're playing at home. We have won, I would have to say, 19 of the last 21 games or something, 20 of the last 22 games. We're on a roll at home. And we finished the regular season 27 and 14 at home. And if we are doing math, which occasionally we do math on this program, that is a 6 that's a 6.59 winning percentage at home. That is very good. That is one of the better home records in the NBA. That bodes well for us. Right now with the injury report, 
John Collins and Lou Will are listed as out for tomorrow. Obviously, Collins does not have a timetable at this point. And for me, I would not be surprised if Collins does not return this season and continues to rehab, depending on, obviously, how he does heal. Gordon Hayward is listed as out on Charlotte's side for tomorrow night. So the big keys for me is going to come down to defense. Both teams can score. We know that both teams can score. You know, the Hawks are top two in offensive efficiency in the NBA. The Hornets are ninth in offensive rating in the NBA. Points per game, they are fourth in the NBA. But opponents' points per games, they are 25th in the NBA, giving up almost 115 points per game. So it's going to be an offensive-minded game. We, we we already kind of foresaw that, you know, happening. And on the flip side, if you're looking at points per game for the Hawks, they are sixth in the NBA in points per game. Opponents points per game are 21st, so a little bit better than the Hornets there. But defensive rating is still 26th in the NBA for the Hawks. So this game is going to come down to who can get stops. Who can get stops? For us, it's about we know what LaMelo Ball can do. He's going to try to get everybody going. He's going to be more pass first and scoring. But the the killers, the certified Hawks haters on that team, Miles Bridges and Terry Rozier. Gordon Hayward is out. We don't have to worry about him. So that means I need DeAndre Hunter to play playoff caliber defense on Miles Bridges. If we can keep Miles Bridges under 20 points, I think we win the game. I think we win the game pretty easily if we can limit Miles Bridges to under 20 points. And then Terry's Rozier, that's going to be DeLon Wright. That's going to be TLC. We're going to throw a different bo- bunch of bodies at him. Probably going to throw a lot of bodies at Miles Bridges too. I can see Okongwu having you know some spells on Miles Bridges as well. So defensively, we really need to key in on Bridges and Rozier. We don't have anybody size-wise. I mean, we could put DeAndre Hunter or TLC on LaMelo Ball, but LaMelo Ball is a guy that he can do, he can score, he can assist, but he needs other people to perform in order for them to just beat, for the Hornets to beat you. So that's why we need to really focus on limiting Miles Bridges, being physical with him, getting him in foul trouble, making it real hard for him defensively, and that's going to be on DeAndre Hunter. And then, like I said, Scary Terry with the guards that we have. Another key for tomorrow night, Bogey. Bogey's been playing great since he's been coming off the bench. He, If he would have played off the bench probably, much, probably the whole year, I think he would be in the conversation for six man. But Bogey needs to score at least 15 points off the bench. Games where Bogey scores 12, 13 points off the bench, it's a little tougher, especially if other people are not contributing especially on the bench or in the starting lineup. So with help, yeah, Bogey can get away with scoring 13, 14 points off the bench. But if for some reason other people are struggling, we need Bogey to score at least 15 points. If he can score 15 points, knock about three three three-pointers down, stretch the floor, then he has a little bit, you know, some finesse in this game, creating for others coming off the bench. If he has about four assists, if he has 15 points, four assists, I think the Hawks win the game. I think that is going to be a real big key. I think Kevin Herter, who has had a pretty solid year, in my opinion. I mean, when you look at his numbers this year, Kevin Herter averaged 
12 points a game this year. He had almost three assists a game, three rebounds a game. He shot almost 81% from the free throw line, which is higher than his career average. Shot almost 39% from three this year, a whole percentage point higher than last year. Shot 45% from the floor. Played in 74 games this year for the Hawks. I thought he was great this year. Last 10 games, Kevin Herter has shot almost 47% from three. And this year, when he plays the Charlotte Hornets, he averages 18 points per game, almost a steal, three assists, three rebounds, 84% from the free throw line, almost 55% from three, and 52% from the floor when he takes on the Charlotte Hornets. So Kevin Herter is going to be a huge key in his game tomorrow night. If we can get at least 13 points from Herter above his season average, he can knock down some threes, get into the paint, and even get to the free throw line. I think the Hawks win. Hawks are really going to have to focus on dominating the paint and the boards. I mean, we have we have we have a bunch of guys both sides that want to score. We have some high flyers, especially on the Charlotte side of things. We have a bunch of people who can score and knock jump shots down for the Hawks. It's going to be controlling the paint and controlling the boards. Whoever's front court wins, I think that's who wins the game. So. We're going to talk about Gallo. Gallo's going to, you know, have some mismatches, but he's going to have to get some boards. Okonkwo's going to have to play defense, get some boards, and he's going to have to score off the bench. He's going to need at least eight points off the bench, in my opinion. When you look at Capella, Capella's been playing a lot better the last two months of the season, but we're going to need that continued play from him. I already said we need to dominate the paint and the boards. Gallo or Hunter, one or the other, has to produce... If one is having a bad game, the other must pick it up offensively. Obviously, we know Gallo is not known as a defender. Hunter is. So Hunter has to defend at all costs. But offensively, if we can get production out of Gallo or Hunter and good, meaningful production, like 15 points, that bodes well for the Hawks. And last but certainly not least, three-point shooting needs to be 40% or higher if the Hawks are going to win. If you go back and look at their games this year, when they shoot probably north of 37, 38%, I mean, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, I'm sure statistically they usually win more games than they lose when they shoot north of that. But over 40%, it's almost a guarantee that the Hawks are probably going to win that game. So have to shoot the three ball well, have to protect the paint and win on the glass, have to get everybody involved, and obviously we have to defend and get stops against the Hornets if we're going to Break this skid that we had against the Hornets. Like I said before, at the top of the program, lost 11 of the last 15 games to them, and they're in the midst of a three-game winning streak. If we want to end that winning streak, we're going to have to do those things. And then, obviously, if we win against the Hornets, which I expect us to do, we will have to probably travel up to Cleveland. Between Cleveland and Nets, I'm going to go with the Brooklyn Nets winning, becoming a seven seed. So we have to travel up to Cleveland Cleveland still won't have Jared Allen, so we'll still have a, an advantage in the front court matchup. I think Evan Mobley is back. I'm going to actually fact check as I'm talking to you guys. But I think they're going to have Mobley back, which is good for Cleveland. I mean, that, that's, he's a very good player, very good young player. He's going to be an all-star for years to come in this league. But, yes, and he did play last game, 18 points, 10 rebounds. So, Certainly someone we're going to have to key in on 
And obviously Darius Garland, the all-star, and Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert had a bad game against us last game against the Cavaliers. I expect him to have a much better game against us. And that game is going to come down to, I mean, they like to slow it down. But same things, three-point shooting, getting stops, protecting the paint, dominating the glass, and getting team production. And I said this repeatedly on this program, when the Hawks do well and win games is because they have a full team effort everyone you're having five six seven guys in double digits even if they get five guys in double digits it's going to bode well for them six almost guarantees them they win barring obviously how many stops they get on the defensive side so it's going to come down to again getting stops getting everybody involved shooting the three ball well dominating the paint and obviously winning the margin on the glass so Playing this year, I'm excited. Um, people may not like it. You know, I, I love it for the league. It's something else. It's a little added bonus for those teams who are 9 and 10 to compete, 7 and 8 to compete as well to try to get out of the playing spot. But, you know, we have 7 through 10 now on both the Eastern and Western Conference. We're going to see how they ball. And we're going to see how we ball tomorrow night. I think we do break the skid against the Hornets at home, and we get the dub. I think it's going to be a four or five-point game. The Hawks will pull it out. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of scoring. I think it'll final score will be 121-117 in favor of the Hawks, and then I think they take on a Cleveland Cavaliers team in Cleveland a few days after that, and I think the Hawks do pull that one out as well. I think that one will be a six-point game, I'm, I'm projecting. I think we're going to win that game by six, and then get in as the AC to get another shot at the Miami Heat. Obviously, we want to be, you know, top six. We fell short of that this year. We got to nine. But the way that the Hawks have played the last month and a half, how they've played at home, the team effort that we've been seeing on both ends of the floor, and, the, and even though, you know, they're – Still some consistency issues as far as on the glass, defensively, execution, whatnot. They are a lot better than they were in the, in the middle of the year and obviously at the beginning of the year. They're getting better at the right time of the year. If Collins comes back, I think Collins is the only way to, that this team can upset the Heat and make a run in the playoffs. As long as John Collins is sidelined, I do not expect us to to go deep. I think we'll challenge the Heat in the first round, but I think all in all, the Heat will have a little bit too much for us to handle. I know they're going to probably have a great game plan on Trey Young, which is going to force others to step up. Can we get Gallo, Herder, Hunter, Okongwu, you know, Jalen Johnson, if he gets in the game, we're going to need other people to step up. Bogey's going to be huge. We already know that's who they're going to key on. They're going to key on Trey Young and Bogey. So it's going to have to be everyone else. And if it's not everyone else, that's something for this team to evaluate going into the offseason, which I think is going to be a huge evaluation period this offseason anyway to figure out who stays and who goes. And before we go on this program, before tomorrow night's contest, you're going to see a lot of people putting out their votes for All-NBA. I've already seen a few. We're going to see a lot of coverage leading up to tomorrow, 
talking about LaMelo Ball. They may mention Trey Young, but they're going to focus on LaMelo Ball and the Hornets. They think that the Hornets, you know, everyone wants to see the Hornets do well because it's LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges and all that. That needs to be added motivation for the Hawks. That needs to be added fuel for the Hawks. I mean, you have an opportunity to get into the playoffs and make something shake, especially after the start that they've had to be in this position. I'm not going to say it's remarkable. It was expected, but we're glad that we're here. And now that we're here, it's time to reestablish ourselves. I think Trey Young should be first or second team. Second team at worst. I think he should be at worst second team All-NBA as a guard. I mean, you, you know, people are going to put John Moran up there. People are going to put Steph Curry, even though he was been injured. Devin Booker is going to be thrown up there. But, and with Damian Lillard being out this year, Chris Paul, who is another All-NBA player, he is obviously on the decline of his career. I still think he may be third All-NBA uh, team guard, but... Trey Young was the best point guard in the NBA this year. From start to finish, he was the best. Leading the league in total points and total assists. He's the first player ever to do that in Division I basketball and in the NBA. And he did it within four years of being in the league. This man averaged 28 a game, almost 10 assists a game in year four. He's gotten better in all asset aspects, sorry. Defensively, controlling the game, passing, shooting percentage, everything went up this year. And he's only getting better. And the lack of respect that Trey Young continues to get is truly sickening. But I hope that it continues to motivate him and fuel him, put that chip on his shoulder. And I think that the chip on his shoulder is greater then the chip that the Hornets are going to have on their shoulder is going to be greater than the chip that the Cavaliers have had on their shoulders because the Cavaliers have been slumping over the last month and they're kind of relegating back to the mean, which I have forecasted all year, but relegating from as high as the three seed to now being an eight seed, still good for them, obviously, ahead of the timeline for Cleveland as a franchise. But I think the chip on Trey Young's shoulders and the Hawks' shoulders it's going to be greater than both of those teams. And I think that chip and how they have played down the stretch, the Hornets are going to be their toughest game. That's going to be the toughest game as far as playing-wise. That's going to be the tougher game. And then the second game, I think if they play Cleveland, obviously it's not going to be easy by any stretch because they're going to be competing to try to get to the playoffs as well. But I think the matchup is more favorable for the Hawks than this Charlotte matchup. So if they can get through Charlotte, I think they beat Cleveland again. I say they get to the first round and take on the Miami Heat. And we'll see the All-NBA team. I, I expect that at worst second team for Trey Young. And even on the list, they ranked the best players 25 and under. Last year, they, I don't even say the ranking. I know Brad Rowland tweeted it out from Locked on Hawks. He was not in the top 10 last year, 25 and under. Now he's number four, as he should be. He is one of the best young prospects, stars in the league that we have, especially at the guard position, with Lowry getting older, Chris Paul getting older, Steph Curry getting older as well. That new wave of guards, when you look at 
if you consider Luka a guard, I mean, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray's, I mean, even that Murray's is a step back from him. You know, Trey Young and Luka are the guys. I mean, LaMelo wants to be in that conversation, and that's what's going to, that's what we're going to see tomorrow night, uh, what LaMelo is going to do on a big stage. And I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Charlotte f to do that, especially since the Hawks have been there, done that last year. They won a playoff team last year. Same thing with Cleveland. I think the playoff experience that the Hawks have is going to be an advantage when you have most of your roster back from that Eastern Conference Finals run last year. But we still got to play the game. And that's why I'm excited. And I'm going to talk with my friend, King Drip himself, David Bracey, a little later today to talk all the play-ins. But it's playing. We're here. And I'm excited to be here to cover it with you guys. And if you love what you heard from me today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it and tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the play-in tournament, Atlanta Hawks. So share it with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, basketball fans, Georgia sports fans. It does not matter if they are willing to listen to me talk about the Hawks, put them on. Follow us on Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That is at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. And then follow myself on Twitter at Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. We're going to catch you guys after the game versus the Hornets. Win or lose, we're going to be here. I'll predict, I'll, you know, stand on what I was right. And I'll stand on what I was wrong. But I hope I'm right in this case. And we do pull this out. As I said before, 121-117. I'm going to give it to the Hawks. And it's going to be a fun one in the State Farm Arena where we have done well. So we'll catch you guys after the Hornets game. And you guys stay safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.